Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we sit down with Tammy DiTomaso to talk about everything real estate. She's a real estate investor herself. She went off and got her real estate license and now works with real estate investors right across the Golden Horseshoe, but specifically, I guess, on a, a lot of her activities on the west side of Toronto, around the areas of Hamilton, Brantford, Niagara area, and she's just a whirlwind of activity. If you know Tammy, she is constantly hustling for the investors she works with. And on this episode, we talk about the real estate prices she's seeing in today's market. What are the opportunities she's seeing with some investors in today's market? Because I think if you're if you're an investor and you haven't been active, you're wondering what's going on. Or if you're new to the world of real estate investing, you're trying to figure out where the opportunities are. She shares those on this episode. The rents that she's seeing, we're talking about uh, regular rents, also duplex rents. We get into the topic of triplexes as well. And when I say duplexes, I'm, I'm kind of rolling in uh, single family homes with a, a legal second suite in them as well. So rents are really strong and have continued to kind of ride this wave, I guess, for the last few years. It's on a, just on a, a little bit of a side note, when we saw a massive real estate correction in the great financial crisis in the US, some of our friends in the Cleveland, Ohio area saw real estate prices in that specific area come down an incredible amount. They came down 65%. But because they focused on starter homes, the rents that they were seeing did not change. They kind of plateaued, they just stayed solid, and then they started trending up. And the reason for that is people still needed a place to live. So back then when the banks weren't lending at all, basically at all, didn't matter how much down payment you had for a brief period of time down there, and you couldn't buy a property, if your family still needed a place to live, you were kind of driven into the rental home market and it really increased the quality of the tenants that they were seeing and increased rental demand. So sometimes that's a story that's not shared very often. I just kind of want to throw that out there. That's kind of what we've seen. And what we are seeing right now, rent is strong in all areas that we're playing in. So Tammy discusses all of that stuff. And listen, if you are listening to this and you're trying to figure out if you should or should not get into the real estate investing game, is now the right time, is now a bad time, you can sh you can learn our latest thinking on this and how we're working with investors by coming out to our introduction real estate training class. You can save yourself a seat by visiting www.canadianrealestatetraining.com. So that's just canadianrealestatetraining.com. You can save a seat for that there. We cover all the different strategies that we're using currently that we've used over the years, some of our thinking going forward on what we're going to see with the real estate market here, supply and demand numbers. All of that is covered. Nick and I stick around at the end also to answer any questions that come through the chat. So anything coming, um, to mind, you can throw in and we will tackle those questions for you live there as well. That URL again is CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. That's it with this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Caradza. Are you ready? Let's go. Yeah, we are live. He's tucking them up, Tammy, stabbing me. <laughs> Tammy, I, I do this all the time, so I'm just going to do it to you as well. Tammy D. D Tommaso, correct? Doesn't no. matter. It's my husband's no, last it. name. It's okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, <I'm> <laughs> how, do, how do I say it? D. Tommaso. D. Yep. Tommaso. Okay. And Nicholas Alexander Kradza, my yep. younger brother, is next to you. <laughs> so, so, Tammy, thanks for doing this. I think we scheduled this maybe like two years ago, and we're finally <laughs> doing it. Yes. Uh, we've had <laughs> a few. A we've, we've had a few hiccups. So, um, we'll just kind of 
start into things with interest rates because there was a big interest. I'm going to ask you how you got started into real estate and the whole bit, but the interest rate announcement as we're recording this today. So yeah. depending on when you're listening to this, um, the interest rates just went up in Canada, uh, another three quarters of a point. And Nick, I didn't see the language, but apparently the Bank of Canada was, you know, pretty firm that we're going to raise them more. Yeah, I forget the exact language. I think is what I what I sent to you. I forget, but basically they're saying like they're looks like they're going to raise it more because even though the inflation is coming down, they don't really think it is because some other numbers, you know, you know, oil's bringing it down, but some other numbers means it's going up, which is good luck. So, so Tim, <laughs> when you see this, what are you thinking? Are you going to stay like uh, on any mortgages stuff? And you don't have to talk about your personal stuff, but just yeah. in general, fixed variable or just mass confusion on what yeah. to do. Where, where are you at when you hear well, this? So I just went through this. I just had one and, and that was obviously just before this raise. And um, when I was looking at my numbers, I think what worked for me, everyone's a little bit different. And I know, you know, we hear a lot about sticking to the variables and so on, but I ended up doing mine for a one year fixed. Um, one year fixed because you're banking on that in one year, things might be at a better position. I feel, yeah. I mean, obviously we don't know, but I feel like I might be either similar. So then I'll just decide again. I'll be in the same boat, I figure. Or I'm hoping maybe it might be what, a little bit better. What is the one year fixed? I, I'm not exactly what it is that. I guess what was it at at that time? What I I ended up. Oh, mine mine were really bad actually. I shouldn't say they're really bad. They're I I'm with a B lender. Okay. On mine. Okay. So that that'll make them higher. Right? Yeah, and it made it a lot higher. And um, and we did have plans to tune, to uh, going to an A lender. So we're actually going to do that next time. But um, I think the original rate that they gave me was seven point one four. For, for a one year that's with a b lender yeah and, and then you, we you i used dan Patton with butler and uh he got me a little lower so and then for anyone listening who's maybe not familiar on why you would go to a b lender we, could you share yeah, just you know generally what? for me personally is like so my husband and i we are both self-employed and then when i became a, a realtor years ago again self-employed you needed a couple years behind you when we ended up purchasing our properties and i was talking with dan he had said um based on where you're at with your income make, it'll make sense later to go to an a lender but when i came around um two things one i forgot my renewal was coming and we had to work really fast so <laughs> a little bit my fault and two i ended up deducting more than i guess i should have which brought me down past where i needed to be so he just said it was better at this point to leave it into the b and so that's that's only my own personal reason that of why um and it's not that you know we couldn't do the a's it was more that we were self-employed at the time that you know, that was the, the best way for us. Yeah, it's a bit of a shell game, right? Because like you said, if you claim expenses, it, it's just, it gets so, it's so messy like that when you're self-employed versus just the typical T4 income for the banks. They always look at you as your, I don't want to say the enemy, but that's how you feel sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because, you know, I look at, you know, my job as a realtor and I remember, I, you know, I've got to talk to everybody like everybody's new. And as much as I work in this field and I know the interest rates and I know the stuff I'll say to, you know, our, our mortgage workers, you still need to talk to me like an idiot. I still need you to tell me what exactly does my income need to be at work. And I, you know, because I there's some things that can move around a bit, right, or won't, uh, remove as many expenses as maybe I could. Sure, but you just want to show a higher just, income. I'll show it. Qualify. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, I don't even know. How did you get started in the world of real estate investing in properties? What is like that origin story? For yeah, you? I. So we blame James Meggs for that. Okay. We'll just, we'll just blame okay. Him for as much. I think yeah. I actually knew that part. <laughs> yeah. So it was your friendship with James. Yeah. So James and I. So James is a good friend of mine. We work together, and um, we've been friends since 1998. 
Oh, wow. I know. So like, <laughs> univer- what is that, university days or something? Um, oh, gosh. So we were maybe t- about 20-ish. Yeah, 20 yeah, years old it. or so. Yeah, university. And, um, and so we've been friends for a long time. And I had done aesthetics previously. And I had done that for about 15 years. I did that from home. I loved it. And uh, I loved being with people, new clients, you know, chit-chatting. Yeah, it's easy, <laughs> you know, with everyone. And um, and then James was over with his wife for dinner, and I said, you know, I'd like to get into real estate. And he was, you should. You got it. You got to do it. I think you'll be great. And my family is very supportive. My husband's fantastic. But when I heard it from James, I thought it just meant a little bit more because he was in it, right? Well, and he went through a similar thing because he was working that corporate job for a while and took a, took a sabbatical to test out yeah. the, the, the waters, if I remember correctly, right? So it kind of... For him, more risky because he really, you know, yeah. I had him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So it's, but it's, but it's because he went through it, down it that, that path recently, it yeah. probably made more sense or just hit home more, right? So what, y- what year is this when he has this conversation? So this was 2015. Okay. 2015. And then he had said to me, my kids were small, and he had said to me, uh, I need a new... I need to hire an assistant. So do you want to come? You can be my assistant. So you can work on that back end for me while you're taking the course. Oh my gosh. I forgot all this. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, oh, perfect. That's great. Because um, my kids were going to be starting school. So I went online to look at the real estate course and I noticed that they were going to be changing the system in two weeks and they were going to change it. So right now at that time you could take uh, three tests and get licensed and then take your other three exams. Right. And then it was going to change In two weeks, it was going to change to you have to take five exams, then you get licensed, then you have to take your one more. Shit, better hurry up. So I signed up right away, uh, but I didn't want to take the class right away because my kids were home and small and they were going to school the following year. They were going to be gone full time, so I waited. So sometimes I think, oh my God, all that time I wasted. Well, I waited, but at the same time, I I appreciate it so much because I was with my kids, right? Longer. I got the full day. So anyway, once they went to school, I went in deep, obviously. I had was running out of time, so I had to hurry up and get those exams in and got licensed. So I was actually licensed in 2017. And then you started, did you buy a rental property with James then? Yeah, so we had bought a property together and um, and that was our first first property. Where that was, was my that? First Tell property. me a little bit about that. That was Where? Hamilton Mountain. So actually it was interesting because it was an off-market deal, came to us, and right away we always go to our clients and, and our buyers. What's anyone interested? We went to contractors. People passed on it. So I said to James, I'm like, well, can we get it? Can we do it? <laughs> He's like, how much money do you have? <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so we, yeah, so we put everything in. We went ahead and we bought it and we paid, uh, I think, 280 For what, ca- what, what keep, kind of price? Keep, keep the price to yourself. Ever, I know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, right? Um, and, and it's funny because at the time everyone thought, no, it's going to take me um, 40000 to at least put some money and renovate it. And, and then, you know, it just didn't work out number-wise to everybody. But I ended up just getting whoever I could to do the certain job. So even like my, I, I paid my parents to paint the house. I'm like, oh, they can use the extra cash. Costs us less than half the price if we hired someone else. So, and they did a really, like, they're, this is my daughter's home. I'm going to have to make everything perfect. Oh, I saw this. I fixed that. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> so I ended up uh, 17000 It cost us. And we did everything brand new. And we what kind of home everything. was it? So it's a single family home, downtown Hamilton. And you rented it out as a, just a straight rental? Straight rental. Okay. Yep. Um, the, and actually, it's interesting because we closed on that property, I think it was May 7th or 8th. And we had our tenant move in June 1st, first tenant. Oh, wow. We didn't even have mortgage payment like come out oh, yet. Cool. And we already had a tenant in uh, there. And so. is it the same tenant or has that... It is. And what, what were you renting it out back then for? Ooh, 
I think it was 17. Okay. And if it's the same tenant, it's it's gone up only marginally, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Well, she had said that she was going to want to buy her own property. So, uh, so that worked out well. We're that okay. And then she's not going to stay forever. So that's do you guys do the minimum rent increases on properties or no? So like if, you know, I don't know what the Ontario standard is, it'll go anywhere from 0.8 to like, I think 2.1, I think is the highest I've ever seen it or something. 2.6 maybe. Right. Um, normally yes. Okay. Uh, for her, we hadn't because we actually did know who she was as well kind of before. So that's how we got her in so quickly and we knew she was going to be a great tenant, but typically, yeah, we do. Yeah, got it. And what do you, if you had to guess, what is that property worth right now? I know the market's changed in the last few months and it's kind of like throwing darts a little bit. But if you had to guess, what would it be? 27 at least. Um, Minimum. Oh, rent. A rent. So if you had to re-rent it. No, no, that's interesting as well. So if you had to re-rent it out, it would be 2,700. I I think at least, Holy smokes, $1,000. Yeah, and that's from 20, what'd you say, 2018? We bought that one in 2018. 18. 18. Oh, 2018. They bought it for four years. Okay. Yeah. It's gone up a thousand dollars a month. Rents rent. have really moved. And that's what I think a lot of people don't, don't realize. Like, look, I know interest rates have gone up and stuff like that, but when they're doing new calculations, which still with, because interest rates have gone up so fast, rents haven't kept up in the last six months. But over the last few years, they've moved quite, they've moved quite yeah. a bit. Right. And then if yeah. you bought that, you bought that for 280, you said. Yep. And then what, if you had to guess today, what would it be worth if you had it? I, and I yeah, know that's, that's difficult today. It is. But give me a ballpark. Just roughly. Six. Six hundred. But you know what? It could be a little less just because of where the market's moving. And it certainly mm-hmm. was a little higher before, of course. But mm-hmm. I would probably say on average maybe around Well, six. after today's rate increase, it, it might be worth a dollar. You yeah. never know. <laughs> Who knows what it's worth? We'll just hold it and wait. So it's worth well, it. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> hold it. Yeah, just keep collecting the rent yeah. and move on. I <laughs> have to say too, sorry, is no. that uh, she was fantastic though because they ended up coming in and they redid our whole back deck her and her boyfriend they messaged us like i hope you don't mind we planted a whole bunch of hostas in the front we're like oh we encourage it this yeah. Yeah, yeah no kidding it's anything great. else you want to do yeah yeah and the basement could be redone if you yeah. want to you know whatever <laughs> whatever you need and then why hamilton are you from hamilton yeah I'm so from you knew hamilton so yeah. that was easy choice yeah i'm not i'm open to obviously surrounding cities around me as far as you know being close i, I do like that but both the properties that i own are in hamilton okay got it both and rentals i should say and do you still um, when you're helping clients buy properties as rentals, Hamilton's still first choice or are you going all around? So it depends. I mean, if somebody comes to me and they say, I have, I'm pre-approved up to a million and I have enough capital for my down payment and do, let's say, a full conversion on a, on a duplex and so on, my first go-to will be Hamilton. Only because that's the city that has the most most growth. I see it in appreciation with the property, uh, the price of the houses, the rents that go up. Plus, it's a larger pool, more populate a larger population, so more tenants to choose from. Uh, So that's usually my first would be go to, and not just because it's close for for me in driving, but honestly, it's because of the other reasons that I had just mentioned. But I would say, you know, Brantford's another area that I'm really looking into quite a bit, and I have quite a few clients out there, and then out into Niagara Welland area. Is also so it really depends on the client when they come back to me if they say I'm pre-approved for five hundred thousand and this is what I have for capital then I know exactly what city and what area and what kind of property they'll be looking for. And are people you work with surprised when you say you know Niagara Welland, or are they okay with it? Like are you, are investors that you work I, with just looking at the numbers and they don't mind going to Niagara Welland? Right. It's funny that you asked that because I would say a few years ago yes people were a little bit. Um, yeah, hesitant, or yeah, or surprised, like you're saying. Oh, okay, so they're doing it's doing good because I had uh, I had a client say, uh, 
book. She wasn't very nice, but she she didn't think she didn't think very highly of Welland. Yeah, got <laughs> basically. It, got it. And, and hey, she's I grew like, up in Mississauga. Up, Do you I know what we used there, to say about Hamilton said, when we grew up in Mississauga? Yeah. You know, what we, <laughs> Hamilton was like a running joke, oh, yeah. and and we've since I guess since Nick and I have been in Hamilton in some capacity. I guess it's been like twenty two years or something like 20, 20 years. It, we've always told people Hamilton's like the gift that keeps giving. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But you know when you grow up and you have these like stereotypes oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and that's just was in your mind like, hey, the factories and because all we would see is that when we went to Niagara, you would see the steel factories, you'd see the smoke. Like we would never venture in. Well, you still see it. It looks like, um, I don't even know, the, 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 the mountain in, in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Helm Deep or whatever it's called with the volcano and the eye over it. When you I, go through, when you go over and you just see that and that's all you know, that's yeah, because base it, but that's like if you're basing all of Toronto by going through, you know, I don't know, pick pick whatever industrial area you want to go through. Sure. Like, oh, here's the whole city, right? Yeah. It, it, and I had never been on the Hamilton Mountain until like the 2000s. Like, I, right. you know, growing up here, I, I just, or if I had for maybe one soccer game once, like it was yep. brief, I don't remember, I was younger. But this client grew, you said she grew up in Welland. She said she that's grew why up she, in she grew oh. up there and she didn't like oh. it. Yeah, she's shocked. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. wow! <laughs> Called them cockroaches. <laughs> no way! You know how much stuff we do in Welland and Niagara. Oh, they love it. Yeah, they were completely open to investing there now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now it's funny how the but narrative it, turns of an area. Yeah, and so that's why now speaking to people, everyone's open to it. But then you know, I also when we're when I'm I don't just say the word you know Welland and Niagara and leave it at that. I'll tell them all the growth that we're seeing, and I'll tell them uh, what we're seeing in rents and and prices, highway and, development, hospitals, and everything. I'll, and I'll t- exactly, and I'll tell them the areas that. Are not so great always and, and every area has that every every city it's funny J, uh jp on our team who you know lives in mm-hmm. st catharines mm-hmm. or he just moved but he was he's just outside but he was in st catharines and for years he was always coming to hamilton you know working with investors and then it kind of changed a little bit and he was working with investors in st catharines like you're saying right and he didn't really it's not like he held it like he didn't really keep it top secret but there was like i feel like a six month to year period where he really wasn't mentioning that right. all the kind of action was starting to happen over there but it's funny now with prices changing a little bit we're seeing more people return to the hamilton area yes. because prices have come down i know interest rates yep. are higher yep. so carrying costs but because the prices are down 100%. it's kind of slowed things down a little bit and people are checking out hamilton again yep. so i actually did a um a presentation on that recently where i did a side-by-side comparison of if you were to buy at the peak and i was comparing to let's say when the duplex legal duplexes were selling at what they went a million 1.1 1.2 even sell 1.3 and then what the interest rate was and what the rents were and, you know, just basic and then what your cash flow would be, let's say. And then we said, OK, well, if you were to purchase it now at a higher interest rate, rents have gone up, prices have come down and how that looked. And you're actually a little bit further ahead. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Right. Yeah. Because the rents have changed. There's so many variables in this. I mean, we all the media, all of us just tend to naturally gravitate towards like, hey, what's the price? Yep. But when you take interest rate and carrying costs and rent differences, like you're saying, Nick, and then Tammy, when you present it like that, yep. it can present different opportunities. So you were really doing duplexes at like 1.1, 1. 1, 1. 1.2. Yeah. What did you what was the highest you saw? 1.3? There was one that I, I heard that one for 1.3. OK. And then with your clients, do you do a lot of duplex stuff? Primarily. Okay, so primarily duplexes. Yep. How are the conversions happening? They're hiring contractors, or are you buying it already done as a legal second suite or duplex? Both. I've done both, yeah. So I would probably say I've done about, I could have done maybe about 40 at least conversions with my 40 clients. 40 conversions. At least, yeah, probably wow. a little bit more, yeah. Okay, so you've seen everything at this point. I've seen a lot, yeah. And, and that's Hamilton, Wellen. Okay, so in Hamilton, when you're doing that, what are the rents roughly on a duplex on a Hamilton, you know, legal second suite conversion? Right now we're seeing for a three bedroom main floor unit about 2,400. 
I have heard some higher, but um, I always like to be a little bit conservative with my clients and tell them what I'm seeing as opposed to what somebody's. Yeah, there's the one offs. I mean, the one offs we've seen are close to three thousand, but it is a one off. Yeah, and and are those inclusive of utilities, which are still really good numbers, but you know, just stuff that you take into consideration. So twenty four hundred, I'd say. Uh, I feel pretty confident about with the main floor plus utilities, and then the basements are about two thousand now. And that would be a three-bedroom main floor. Three two, up, two-bedroom basement, two down. Yep. Wow. And then, um, the people renting them out are they working? Do you have a taste for like just the majority? Are people working in Hamilton or living in Hamilton and working all over the place? Most working here. Yeah. Yeah. So working in the Hamilton area. There's a lot of a lot of students applying mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. They will pay higher rents. To the uh, in the duplexes and the duplexes aren't even close to the school. All right, that's what I was going to ask. But you're not in this, the, you know, the, the, the typical in. student areas, yep. and you're still getting the student demand. Yeah, we okay. were looking at the numbers, the, the uh, uh, enrollment numbers from the universities over the last uh, what, what was it, last ten, twenty years? I think we looked, mm-hmm. and just the enrollment numbers from the universities have skyrocketed, especially the international students. It's changed the dynamics of all these university towns a lot. Like there's been a mass shortage in housing for, for the students. And it's why a lot of these purpose-built student properties were popping up and things like that. But what we found out, it looked like pretty strong competition at first. And some of them may turn out to still be that way. But a lot of them don't want to live in those types of places just because of the rules, the way they're managed. They just really want to be in, in their own place. And if they're paying the foreign student costs to come here, usually they're coming from a family that has money. So they That's can true. afford to, because I remember when I, I was yeah. just thinking about this, when I went to Arendelle, which is I now think called UTM or University of Toronto, Mississauga or whatever it's yeah. called. And I drove by like two or three, I guess, no, three or four years ago when I went there, like none of us really had that much cash. The parking lot for students was all beat down cars. We would go to the blind duck pub. I don't even know if it's there on like for like $2 <laughs> Thursday beers or, or whatever it was. It was like a beat down place in the middle of like a forest in between a couple buildings. And then I drove by like four years ago and I could take one of the videos that we did for yeah, It's like Porsche. It was like, Range Rovers. yeah, it was like, <laughs> no, literally I was a Land Rover, Porsche. I get out Gucci belts, Gucci yeah. attire everywhere. I'm like, what is happening? The the buildings are glossy, brand new glass. I'm like, yep. what is happening to this? And if universe? you would see that before, you would think, Oh, so how's your dad's car? Nice. Not, yeah, not yeah. now. It's their, it's it's their, their car. Yeah, they're like, no, that's not my dad's <laughs> yeah, car. I bought that car. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, you know, if you're paying the foreign student fee, we were renting out one of our York University student rentals and the checks that we would get from students, this is like 10 or 15 years ago, um, would be like from the estate of, we had a bunch of students coming and, you know, they were paid for like, and literally in the top of the check, it said, you know, estate of so-and-so. I'm like, man, these people are coming. From yeah, their tuition substantially higher yeah. than, than and I, I think even a lot of people aren't even aware of that. But international students, when they come here, I forget the percentage. At one point I knew because when closer to school, when I knew people going through university, I knew the numbers, but it was a lot higher, like multiples higher of what I was paying when I was going through school. I was surprised. I, I couldn't believe it. And it's kind of nice that you're getting students into these properties because now you have options. You can rent them out to students. Mm-hmm. But if they're legal second suites, the investors that have some of these properties, they can rent them out to, to multiple, multiple different family kind of formations. Yeah. Uh, Single re- person who wants it, a small family who wants one of these things. You ever have students in one unit and a family in another unit in, in like the same property? Would I? Have you ever? No. No. Yeah, I'd be curious how that would. The, with with certain students, there wouldn't be a problem, right? But do you end up you getting students apply? Are you renting some of these students in the non student area or no? No. No. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're just getting we're seeing a lot. There's no shortage, obviously, but uh, personally, no, I I haven't. But uh, I don't know. 
And what are the rents that you're seeing at 2,400 and 2,000? Is that what, what, what is the St. Catharines Welland market? How different is it? So I would say I would label it Hamilton and then Brantford and then Welland. Okay. So yeah, what's Brantford roughly? So Brantford would be, so all about, let's say a couple hundred less each one. So Welland, I would say we're probably at about maybe 18 down 2000, no, maybe, yeah, about 2000 up. Okay. And then, so Brantford, maybe 1900 approximately. Got it. And then the main floor 22. Okay, and now I'm putting you on the spot. Purchase prices in Hamilton, Brantford, and Welland for a home that you would do this on. Yep. Roughly, what are the ballpark yep. purchase prices right now? And we're recording this in like September 2022, and I know mm-hmm. things are changing, but just roughly. Well, there could be pr- approximately 50 to 100K difference between the, them. So let's just say if I was buying a property in Hamilton, we've seen some right now going Hamilton Mountain bungalows. These are the ones that are perfect for conversions uh, for about, let's say, 650 on the lower end right now. Okay. And then in... Um, Brantford, they're not too far behind actually. So they're probably a little bit similar similar right now. Yeah. They, theirs will probably come down just a tad, but, and those are different. Like there's certainly ones going much higher. Like, don't get me wrong. There's Hamilton houses still selling 800 and so on. Some of these bungalows just depends on the finishes, but, and then Welland, um, I'm going to say you're about, we're starting to see five, five fifty for some of the nice houses that we do conversions on. Oh, got it. And Welland five, five fifty. I think the hard part for everyone to the thing for everyone to know right now is that because everything's changing has changed so quickly it's that a lot of people want to do these burrs and they want to be able to pull their money back out right away and i feel like we need to kind of go back to where we did in 2017 2018 when we started doing this and we would buy these properties and hold them and not necessarily burr immediately everyone in the last couple of years were certainly doing uh pulling out their money within three months six months and so on where now we might go back to put having our Uh, money in the property maybe for a couple of years sometimes before we're going to go and pull it out it just depends i make sure i'm really clear with our our buyers and our investors you know if you're going to invest in let's say Welland, for example our goal is to get that renovation cost back out and because the market was going crazy we were getting that plus our down payments i had some people that even made more you know pulling their money out but um but knowing that hopefully we'll be getting about that you know, renovation cost back. It depends on the refinancing, right? What's coming in. But as the numbers are coming down, a lot of these appraisers can't even keep up with all that and know exactly. Yeah. And on top of that, the appraisals are being, their appraisers are being super conservative. Mm -hmm. They're basically being threatened by the banks. Don't fuck this up. And so they're being super conservative. So even if prices are coming down, sometimes the appraisal comes in even lower. Yeah. So it's tough. And for anyone listening, a burr is just, you know, someone buying the property, renovating it, renting it, kind of like refinancing. refinancing it to pull out yeah. ideally everything they've put in on the down payment and for the work to convert that into a duplex and pull out all their money. And now you have a zero down property because you got all your money back and you're kind of off to the races, mm-hmm. use the money again. Right. But yeah, I feel like expectations might be a little bit off now because people are looking to do that. You're going to have to wait. Well, there's the prices and there's the interest rates too. Some people, what I found too, is when they went after they refinance the property and then and now that rates have gone, have gone up, they're like, well, you know, now my cash flow is non-existent or maybe I'm negative. I'm like, well, yeah, I get it. And that's not, a, you know, that's not yeah. perfect. Like we don't want to be in a perfect world. You want to be negative cash flow situation for sure. But if you have no money in the property, you kind of like, yeah. You know, you you kind of you got to be realistic about it too. Yeah. It's like very rarely do you have an investment where you don't put any money into the investment and it spits off cash flow for you in any sector, not just real estate. Yeah. Right. So sometimes right. I think people discount because we've seen that from way back when even when we were doing like just primarily rent to own when we started like whatever however many years ago, it was it, they would discount. You know, they would collect a they would be cash flowing a hundred bucks a month, but upfront as an upfront payment for the rent to own they collected twenty thousand dollars. Right. 
And I'm like, so they're like, well, it's only hundred bucks a month. I'm like, well, you have twenty thousand dollars in your hand. Mm-hmm. Like, you kind of <laughs> did you just forget about the twenty grand? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. So it's kind. I think of, it's matters. been easy street for investors yeah. for like a few yeah. years. I remember one of our student rentals. I couldn't refinance it for years because no bank wanted to touch it because it was a student rental. So they're like, I don't care. How, they would tell us that we don't care how much equity you have in the property wow. until one day. TD, I don't know if I should say the, the bank name, but I guess I just did. Uh, <laughs> the bank that had done the original financing on it just decided they weren't going to renew because it was student rental. They did it as a student rental, declared student rental, but they had decided, I guess their risk profile had changed. Maybe they had too many in that area, whatever goes on with that kind of stuff. And they decided they weren't going to do the renewal and I had to go get other financing. And at the time I stumbled into, I didn't know what monoline lenders were at the time. And it was one of the mortgage brokers that we work with kind of explained that there's these monoline lenders. They're like lenders who don't have bank branches, but they're doing hundreds of millions of dollars in mortgage lending through mortgage brokers here in Canada. And I think it was an Australian. Yeah, it was coming into the market. Yeah, it was an Australian fund that was coming into Canada and they did it for me. As a student, declared student rental, and I refinanced, and I finally was able to pull everything out. But that took me like five, six, seven years, however long after I owned that property. At that time, student uh, financing student properties was even worse than it is it, today, it for sure. Because it got very easy for a period of time, and then it's kind of like everything. It gets, you know, goes hard and easy. So it got very easy, and now it's a little bit, a little bit trickier than it was uh, just a few years ago. But not, not, but not nearly as hard as it was, yeah. you know, back then. I wonder, Tammy, if you're going to be faced with a lot of conversations around real estate now, because we were just talking about the interest rate move. And in the Canadian media, media in the real estate industry, it's very focused on the impact that that interest rate move is having on Canadian real estate. Mm-hmm. But these interest rate moves are kind of in lockstep with what's going on around the world. And it feels to me that we have this liquidity pullback or you know where a tsunami kind of kind of well, it doesn't feel that's what it is. Have. Yeah, like yeah. a tsunami kind of pulls back before like the big wave comes in. And I just feel like everything's pulling back. A lot of people might psych themselves out on what's happening with real estate because they're focused on the real estate price as the definitive indicator on whether they should buy or not. And if you don't look at what's going around the world, because it seems to me the liquidity that's going to come rushing back into this world is going to be more than we've ever could have imagined because... Uh, Nick, I think at th- at the U.S. 10-year bond, I know I'm going on a tangent right now, but in <laughs> the U.S. 10-year, I think right now it hit 3.5 yesterday. I don't know if it's still there, but at 3.5, if the existing $30 trillion of U.S. debt gets refinanced at that new rate over the next few years as the old bonds mature and have to be bought at the higher rate, it turns the $400, $400 billion in interest payments that the U.S. has now which is 400 billion, it turns those interest payments into 1.2 trillion. So that's a difference of $800 billion. They already run large deficits. If we're going into a recession and they need $800 billion of new money over the next few years to kind of fund their own debt, the amount of money printing that's about to come our way, like I, I, I just mathematically, I'm like, wow. It's like the tides moved out and the, the Bank of Canada is still saying, hey, we're going to move it out further. We're going to raise interest rates even more. But when you look around, I feel like telling everybody who owns good hard assets like a nice property in Welland or Brantford, hold on to that freaking thing for dear life. Because the liquidity or the money printing that's about to come in is going to be epic. It, well, there, It's hard to visualize and think that that makes any sense. But if you went back five years and looked at what happened 
what happened in the last five years makes no sense either. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, it's so, it's so hard to think that that's actually like, what, they're just going to pump all this money back in based on what, what happened already. They saw how much that screwed things up, but we're already seeing signs of it. Like, so, the, you know, the, the most obvious ones are in, because of the, 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 the fuel price problems in Europe, there's multiple countries talking now about how much money they're going to use to prop up the energy companies and or give them to people directly to offset these these energy costs. And uh, even some states in the U.S. have come out and said, hey, we should be just giving people money to offset these. At that time, it was rising fuel costs, like gas prices. For My favorite thing on that, did you see some US, U, uh, European Union minister of some sort said two weeks or something? This must be a joke, but it was two weeks to flatten the hump. Did you see? This? Oh yeah, yeah. Because the, because energy prices had gone up, and I guess they were saying it's like a hump. I guess they didn't want to use the word curve because of the whole COVID thing. <laughs> but it was, I was like, did they really just say two weeks? It must be in my imagination. I think they must have just said we're going to try and flatten the hump. But uh, it was to get Europeans to like turn down their energy consumption during peak times because of the energy costs that are going like so high or the shortage of energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it seems like that's kind of where we're at. Well, you're seeing signs that that's how they're looking at solving these problems already. I'm like. Is that, yeah, and and so I if, know you, if you combine that with what you're saying, because it seems it needs that to grow, and the problems with the, with the deficit spending and interest payments on the debt and all that type of stuff, and you combine that with if these are the signs that they're showing of their playbook right now, until you see other signs, it seems like a realistic scenario, even though the numbers behind it and the thought of it seems kind of ridiculous at some point. So where did these Hamilton pro like this is where like I and I know we're in a period where property prices are coming down at, because as they're adjusting to the higher rates. Yeah. But I'm just like, in two or three years, like where are these property prices going to be? I feel, if I had to guess now, I'm going to say much higher. Property price. Like, than our last peak, you mean? Than our last yeah. peak. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I feel or maybe like. The, or maybe they go up to where the last peak was. And I, I mean, the, the peak was like a one week peak. Like this whole peak thing is to yeah, me. Yeah, but a little still, bit but a, we can use that as No, the, no, I know. But it just means it's like, it's, uh, I'm a little bit jaded with when people are like compare like, well, this thing sold in like, you know, like, and, yeah. and now it sells for this. I'm like, the peak was 30 days. You know, maybe it was two weeks. It wasn't really like this prolonged, like it was a six month period where things were, yeah. were really kind of. Yeah, or 10 years yeah, of prices. Yeah, so I, I'm just a little bit, I think I'm more jaded by the media articles. It that, makes so for a good headline because yeah. the, the percentages of a drop look good off yeah. the peak. But even if it climbs up to that point. Let's say it climbs up to that point, but it may be hopefully at a little more more of a, a stable pace. Like because yeah. what we saw over the last three years is ridiculous, and we were saying it was ridiculous before. Mm -hmm. Unsustainable, not healthy, not good for anyone, just just not good. That's what they would want to make it a sustainable move, uh, so that they can it's have the their yeah. agenda with you know just it's got to go at a different pace, right? I w yeah, it I went up too too fast. Well, and then I mean, came back it was, down to it was like, like fifty. It was fifty percent in two years. Roller coaster. I have yeah. a feeling it's going to go up faster than anyone imagines, and the reason I just that, hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't yeah. as well. It's better for our society, our community here that it doesn't. I just feel we're at the end of a system, and you just start the you see the volatility. It's kind of like something's mm -hmm. breaking, and the volatility is just like shoots down, shoots up, shoots down, shoots up, and each move is just more and more volatile. And the math on this, and and I know I just keep talking about the math. It's just it, these are just dull. Like this is the actual cost of the interest payments on their debt. They have to print this money. Like I don't get how this works. Like they must print this money, which means M2 or the monetary base or the amount of money circulating around is going to increase. And everyone can argue whether it stays in the financial system or if it leaks out into the real economy, but we just have a lot more money coming our way. And I think it ultimately affects Hamilton, Brantford, Toronto, Welland, 
because well, Canada's going to copy you. It affects everything in the world. It affects everything yeah. in the world. You can call it a devaluation of the currency, inflation, whatever you want to call it. But if call the global it. reserve currency is doing that and everything, the, the vast majority of things are priced in some way, shape, or form of in U.S. dollars. Like think how much trade is done in, you know, the majority of trade is done in U.S. dollars, right? There is the euro and there are other currencies, but the majority is done in the U.S. dollars. Then it impacts everything. I think it becomes the new normal. Like, I think if you grow up in Argentina, you're very used to carrying U.S. dollars and something, you know, the local currency for what you need it. And Canadians aren't used to that. And I really feel we're just going to enter a time where the Canadian dollars looked upon like, holy crap, this thing's pretty volatile. And you have all these other assets in your life that are, are much more kind of sustainable. Tammy, I, I got off uh, way off on the tangent there. It's just top of mind <laughs> right good. now. No, <laughs> but Tammy, I'm curious, when you got into real estate investing, did you have to battle any mindset stuff? Like I know you had James Maggs who was a good friend, mm -hmm. but did you have to like overcome anything of like, you, most people think, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose everything if I get into this. That's how Nick and I thought, I think many times when we were younger and anyway, we were like, holy shit. I we, barely had anything when I started. Yeah, like so I, I guess was okay you, with it. you have nothing <laughs> when you start. <laughs> but uh, a few Personally, no, I would say only because I did, yeah, I had James and I was, like I said, worked as an assistant. So I was really part of the team for so you two saw, years. So you saw a lot. I saw a lot, yeah. learned a lot. I, I didn't miss a meeting. I didn't miss anything that any event that anybody, they were all having. So I had a good two years of, of seeing all that and not even just seeing people or hearing, you know, people listen to podcasts, you know, it's not just hearing it, but it was my friend. It was one of my best mm -hmm. friends. And so I, I was a, got to witness that. But that being said, it's really funny because I can sit there and I can talk to my clients and I can say, okay, so what's your budget at? This at, this is a profit. This is great. This is going to be good. This is going to work for you and so on. And then yet when it comes to me and I have to buy my own property, I'm like, oh, okay, hold on a second. And, uh, you know, I start to go into a little bit of panic mode just for myself. But it's so easy for me to tell everybody else what to do. And then when it comes down to myself, as much as I completely believe it and I trust it, it just, yeah, it, it does hit a little bit different. So when somebody says to me, I'm a little bit nervous or I'm a little bit, you know, unsure of this, not, I get it. You can empathize. I can, empathize. Yeah, yeah, and I get it. And then I can also explain the pros, pros and yeah. cons, all of it. Yeah. yeah. And then um, what are you seeing around contractors right now? Because most contractors we see are just like so far behind or, you know, can't get labor, can't get material. It's a, a mishmash of disaster. Um, are you are you seeing jobs get completed? Because you're dealing with a lot of like conversions. Right. Are there have there just been more delays than normal in the last twelve months? What what, what are you seeing out there? Um, so with the few contractors that we consistently use, things have still been great. They they've had shortages of certain like maybe windows at one time. Everyone knew those were behind schedule like crazy. Uh, I think was it two years ago when all the appliances were short and you know you see things like that from time to time. But for the most part, with the consistent contractors that we use there's a few ha a handful of them that we're constantly referring out uh so far everything's been actually pretty pretty good and decent same as you know working with the city and permits and any delays on there where we were seeing delays before we're not really seeing as much anymore. wow so, so you have some contractors bit better. who are not overbooking themselves most contractors are slightly guilty of overbooking themselves i don't think it's a malicious thing for most of the good ones they just kind of take on more than they can chew and things start blowing up they do yeah, yeah. i think that's a when you see some contractors that have failed possibly or yeah it's usually from that reason that's what happens they throw themselves to think because they think they can do the work and they can't do the work but they can't do the work with everything else or they set unrealistic timelines you know if they just finished some other jobs and said okay i can start in six six months but part of it's like when the investor or the client's pressuring them you know and they just come to that pressure they're like i need you to start i need you to start like okay I, I, you know we can pull it off and it yeah. just doesn't work mm -hmm. just like anything when a job because even when a job ends 
it's never really over for the contractor for the next two weeks anyways. So right. that delays that automatically because there's always little things that come up. And the last 10 or 20% of a job always takes longer than it should, like all the small details because you need to specific things or specific trades that are booked or whatever. So, yeah, it's just it's it's something we've seen consistently. I'd rather they just kind of were more honest and say I can't do it. But it's it's hard to I think a lot of yeah, people have trouble even, doing I don't that. even know if it's honest. It's, honest, it's just yeah. like they just they think they're helping somebody out, but they're screwing themselves and everybody else. They're just making it all worse. Yeah, they're making it all worse. Sometimes with good intentions. Yeah, that all being said, though, for the last um, I'd say good six months, most of this year, uh, I haven't done as many conversions though that I have done in the previous years. So a lot of them were now looking at the prices and where they were at and deciding, okay, do I want to sell? So we had way more listings coming out um, than I'd say we have previously. I had a clients looking for turnkey properties um, and then a lot looking for single family properties with potential for growth on that property, either be in the land for a garden suite or duplex in the house down the road. So we've been seeing a lot of that because some have a, a smaller budget or what they're pre-approved for. So some will come to me and say, I've got a you know $500,000 budget and it was tough in that market to go out and find a house. But we found a, one particular client in, in mind uh, bought a property in Welland and it came on a double size uh, wide lot. So it's a 60 by 120. And when I look and the house is all the way to the left. And when I look at all the neighboring houses, I, I marked out all theirs. They're all 30 feet, 30 feet. 30 yeah, that's feet. great. So oh I'm gosh. like, I can't guarantee that you can sever this lot. Like I won't, I can't own that. But um if not, you certainly can build a garden suite in the back. So you're going to definitely have some options. So, you know, we were able to get a lot more people in that way as well. So um, I'm nope. just starting to have people now coming out of the woodwork uh, wanting to, okay, go, I'm ready to go see houses now. Everyone's on hold watching the interest rate hikes and so on. And a lot of, you know, nervous investors. So uh, a lot more people wanted to go out now and also looking for conversions. So I think that's going to be picking up more too. Those are my favorite. When you get properties like that, not, not necessarily severing a lot. Yeah, that's that's even better. But yeah. hey, anything that gives you options, yeah, where you can, it's not just kind of stuck in one strategy. You can do multiple things with. That's that's yeah. The best. So how many how many? Just think of how many of Tammy's clients are going to have options with garden suites on some of these big oh. Hamilton oh, properties. I, I have yeah. the best story. We uh, just locked in an amazing property. I went out with a client of mine, and we looked at this house in Welland, and I said it was six fifty. Come down to six hundred, which you know still was actually decent for the price. Uh, the house is already a duplex has always been a duplex with the city. It's also on a double wide lot, but we, and we looked into the severance, but it can't be done, which is fine. Or it would be too small, a little awkward. So, but also has a 550 square foot garage, double car garage in the back that we know that we're going to be able to turn to a garden suite. So we already have this legalized. We just need to renovate it because it's outdated, but it was about 600,000. We went to look at it in May, but there was a tenant in there. So the, um, the owner who lived on the main floor, she had moved into a nursing home and so that was vacant. And then the upper unit, the tenant was paying seven fifty a month, but was there for 14 years. So you're like, oh, oh my shit. gosh. How, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. So we passed, we said, okay, we'll wait. The house had sat on the market for a while and then, um, it had dropped to five fifty, and then it had dropped to five twenty five. And then I went and looked at the listing again and it had been updated in the remarks that the upper tenant was moving. I called my client. She's like, let's offer right now. Wow. Done. So it went down to 525 and we offered 475. And because it had sat so long and someone had done uh, two things, someone had put in an, an offer for financing and it fell apart. Someone else had put an offer in. They did home inspection. We knew she declared what came up on there. We knew what it was going to cost. We ran all those numbers into you know put into play. But um, we ended up offering four seventy five, and they took it. Holy and they took shit. it because we just made it 
uh, conditional on us getting to see it because we hadn't seen it in months. But that was it. And they were like, okay, let's just do it because it had it fallen apart. Yeah, so it was time, time to get rid of it for it was that. Time. Wow. So we got this property here that's a full going to be a two, duplex a with a garden story suite. house two stories above both units above yeah and a garden suite we just went out yesterday with andy and did all of our oh, oh my gosh yeah, that's great and then the rent on that thing you're gonna that that property is gonna generate like close to six thousand dollars maybe five yeah. in between five and six thousand dollars a month in revenue yep. bought for Five seventy-five. Four seventy-five. Sorry, four seventy-five. Plus rent, plus renovation cost. Plus renovations because that was six hundred all in with the garden suite. Yeah, a little bit more even. Yeah. But but if, if we, we just keep it, yep. if we just keep, but you're hitting a property that's like the one percent rule. No, still no. The, the numbers still work out great. Yeah, yeah. Like we never hit that anymore. No. So excited. Holy so excited, smokes! Yeah. That's kind of the flip side, I guess, of what's going on for investors. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. For investors, the thing is too though, like it's it's not like, you know, the the, the there's still been strong appreciation on this property for the homeowner too that was able to benefit from that over the over time as well that's a good point right? because i have some clients who we were selling their legal duplexes and again they saw the 1.1 1.2 1.3 and they're like well i want to sell mine but they had tenants and the tenants were paying lower rents than they're getting now or people are getting now so um and one of them they had a tenant in there that smoked it smelled really, we had a we had to get the tenants out it wasn't going to sell so I had two clients who had both uh, waited to get their tenants out, took a little bit of time, got them out, got everything in there, cleaned it all up. Well, by the time it was time to sell, the prices had obviously change. dropped. Yeah, significantly. Um, I, so I have a, actually quite a few clients recently that had sold their d legal duplexes because they were scaling up. They wanted to pull that money out. So even though, let's say one, for example, sold it at 800, another one I sold at 870, which sound like low numbers, we paid 470 yeah. for the one house. The other one was like 600 at that time because it was much bigger and four level backsplit very rare you know let's see all those but yeah so if you really put into perspective yeah did, like even though the prices well. have come and down that was the it, point of real estate they're about even i mean it depends it depends on pockets types of properties stuff like that but they're about even year over year so they're, they're you know they haven't moved much even though they've come down so they've had this big run up and come back down but if you zoom out so for for people that have bought maybe right at you know at february of this year yeah they're in a, not not the, the greatest equity position right now but they, if they're having income and it's a good property, there's you know there, there's a longer term scenario that could still work out quite well. And for other people, if you zoom out for two or three years, the numbers are still very, Absolutely. like they're very good, right? So we've had multiple investors tell us they're selling properties in the last couple of years because some of them have been buying now for like ten years. So some of them are yeah. just like, hey, I want to you know buy a cottage, I'm going to sell a couple of rentals, or I want to buy a boat, or I'm going to move out east. We had some, we have some rockstar members who like they've moved to Mexico. They've right. sold their Canadian house, kept their rent. So the, actually, that's a reverse. They sold their primary place of residence, yep. kept their rentals, moved to Mexico. Another investor moved to the Dominican, kept his rentals here. He's in the Dominican. So it's it's interesting as people start to build an asset base around them, their choices in life kind of really change in ways we never thought. Yep. We never thought we'd see people like moving to, to the Dominican Rica. Republic, yep. Costa Rica, Mexico. And it's weird. These these properties have done so well for them over, the, the, like people that have had it over, let's say 10 years, like you, you use that as an example. They're like, you know, I, I really like to do this. I don't want to get rid of the property though, you know, be, but, but that's where the funds are to do what they want to do. And they've, I've, the conversations I've had, I'm like, guys, like, but this is a lifestyle decision. Like, why did you start investing for the first place? If that, if, if you invested for in the first place to get whatever this is that you're after, well then go if, for if, it. If you have a few assets, like if you had a few properties and, and you have to let one go, well, you let one go because you have to live your life too. Yeah. Sometimes that's, I think forgotten all this, that sometimes it, it becomes all about the numbers. Right. And it's like, well, it's a means to an end still. 
right? I, I don't know. That's that's the way I look. Totally. At it. So it's like you got to you got to make the lifestyle decisions. You you do the investing to to make the lifestyle decisions. So when you want to make those decisions or those moves to Mexico to Dominican or whatever it is, you want to buy a boat, you're able to do them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what James actually did too. He, you know, it was time they wanted a big pool in the backyard and they wanted to do everything they needed to put back there and sold off a property, paid for all that, and like, thanks. Yeah, but that's <laughs> for his family, that's yeah, great, exactly, right? Yeah. Amazing what yeah. landscaping costs these days. Oh my but God. But yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm curious. Uh, hey, on a side note, just about the about the cost, I, I just uh, heard this from one of the contractors. They were going to do a flip. It took forever to get the um, uh, the permits. Their lumber quote, so this is in Oakville, their lumber quote last year was in the $80,000 range. It was like mid-80s. They got their new quote back mid-40s. So the material costs have come. So they're like, you look at the prices that they might sell for have come down, but they're like, our, our material costs are going to come way down from what from what we thought. And that's why I think a year from now rates are going to come down because of the leading indicators of what we're seeing seem like they're all coming down. Bond rates aren't coming down yet, but even oil. Yeah, just the oil prices yeah. today, like yeah. coming down, and that's after they announced that cut. Yeah, so like everything seems to be coming down. So I'm like, this is kind of weird. They're raising into what clearly looks like leading indicators, telling us there's a recession coming when you should be cutting, but they're raising rates. So I feel like your one year rate kind of gamble, yep. if you call it a gamble, I think I don't know. I feel like that's going to be a good move. Well, it's fixed. You can lock into the another fix. That is, I, 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 it's hard to believe where the bond, like the the bond the market is going to go to a point where the, that, those fixed rates jump substantially from that point. I guess the only way they could continue to jump even higher would be, and Tammy, we were talking about this, I think, before we started recording mm-hmm. a little bit, like if inflation overall doesn't come down, if stuff really starts breaking on the currencies, get devalued to the point where inflation just is ripping, mm-hmm. rates can so stay high in that environment. They can, but so that that's a that's interesting because if you look at housing specifically with this, right? Because I was trying to extrapolate this out. Because I'm like, that argument right now, if someone's listening to it, they're going to be like, well, your inflation's ripping right now, but house prices are coming down. So this, you know, this whole having an asset in, in that type of environment doesn't, that argument, it's it's kind of doesn't make sense in, in today's world because we're seeing that come down. Now, I know they, they went up too much, but um, so they had to kind of correct more of longer term trends that, that were that made some sense. But in that environment, then all the raw materials start going up, all the replacement costs for these houses go up, and then and then the house prices have to, even with higher rates, the house prices have to start pumping up again because the replacement, replacement cost gets cost. So, so so high. Now, if everything comes down in like a deflationary environment, then they can stay around where they are right now, or whatever the case may be, right? Because that's that's what we're going through right now, mm-hmm. and we're not seeing that. So that yeah. that's the counter argument to what you're saying. I'm just wondering if people would be thinking about that. But then you got to extrapolate it out a little bit further to kind of well, look at not, those nothing numbers. moves in perfect sync. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just just hearing you say that, and and Tammy, I don't know if you know these numbers. Nick Kano was looking at. You were looking at appreciation numbers in the Greater Toronto area from yeah, like from 69 Trent. to like current day, and I think it's like 6.8 or around 7 percent. It's really yeah, it's interesting. I have it here. Hold on. I think it's like it was higher than I thought because I thought when we were looking. You know, so the av- average home price from Treb sixty nine to two thousand. So this uh, is Treb data, which yeah. will be mostly Toronto. Other stuff gets listed in yeah, there, but it's mostly sure. Toronto. Yeah, it's not an exact sign, and it's all the areas and all yeah. the types, yeah. and you know. But it went from twenty eight, so twenty nine basically it was twenty eight nine hundred. So that was sixty nine in August twenty twenty two. It was uh, just under one point one point one. Excuse me. So seven point zero six percent over that time. From Which is higher than I thought. I thought long term it was closer to. So sorry, to repeat five. that. From 1969. From 1969 to August 2022, it was a 7.06%. That's the average, average annual increase. appreciation rate increase yeah. in price. 
The average yeah, is the number was twenty nine thousand to one million seventy four thousand. And is that skewed heavily the last ten years? No, because what's interesting is the, the last, last 10, ten years. If we look at um, where was that? Oh, here we go. Two thousand and twelve to August twenty twenty two. It was actually eight point zero two, so it was okay, slightly higher. So it was higher. higher. But if you go from nineteen sixty nine to two thousand and twelve, it was six point eight four percent. So only marginally lower than the the, okay. the time from from there. Because by by the time you're going from sixty nine to two thousand and twelve, even with bigger moves, it can't change the because there's such a long time period. It can't change the average that. So much. the average annual appreciation in this area, I'm generalizing. Has been seven percent a year. It's closer to seven than it that's is to crazy six. To yeah, me. I thought it was. Oh, so it was five, I five and a half. To, yeah, that's what I thought too. Wow, I think you know I where we got five, five and a half. I think that was CMHC data that I was looking at like ten years ago for Canada. Maybe yeah. We usually run ours at six. Yeah, we have. Yeah. We used to run them four. You know, I remember between four to six, but yeah, yeah we usually run yeah, and four seems really, really kind of conservative. So you're running that when when you're just extrapolating out someone's purchase just to look yeah. at the future future value of yeah. them. Yeah. So if you're doing four percent, Tammy's being super. Well, no, we do no, six. Did you six. Oh, sorry, yeah. six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah got we it. did used to, and then we had we had changed it. To I remember when we were doing some. Even rent. when they went up late recently, we still went to yeah. six. Yeah, <laughs> just well, it's good. Well, you yeah, didn't put like eighteen percent no. in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Could you imagine you tried to tell someone? Yeah, look, and when you buy this property, so it's going to have twenty five percent appreciation next year and thirty three the year after. Yeah. they would just look at you like, what kind of con artist? Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> insane. Um, what What are some investors? I'm curious, telling you when they meet with you on why they're getting started in real estate. Like, what are some of the things that you're currently hearing? Has it always been the same kind of things, or has it changed at all? What are some of those? Quit my job, uh, build cash flow. The same things. Yeah. yeah. Asset base. Yeah. And, and, and I do find that we used to hear more people saying, I want, I want to absolutely quit my job and just rely on real estate. We are hearing a little, I'm hearing personally a little less of that. Well, um, why do you think that is if you I had to know. guess? Yeah. Are, are the people coming in just have a little bit more money so they don't, aren't looking to quit their job? They're just trying to build up assets? Yeah. Most of them are, I would say that it'd be only because uh, I would say the few clients they're not all talking about it, to be honest, but um, would say, you know, my goal is to have maybe 10 properties would be the goal for them to have. And so they're not really mentioning the retirement part of it. There's only a handful, I'd say, of, of people that would say, okay, listen, I really want to quit my job. But even that, that's, you know, we try to be realistic about it. Yeah, you know, I've seen it. people doing it and it's not always just completely quit your job. There's it's a lot of work yeah, still, right? Yeah, yeah. People think. But and then what, what did you, earlier you mentioned you had an investor who was like leveling up. They were selling some duplexes. Yeah. What were you talking about? So, there? What were they looking to do? Well, that particular client was the one where we had purchased it for 470. We ended up selling it at 800. This was a smaller house um, in Hamilton, a, a bungalow, two bedroom, two plus two. And the property did amazing for him. I think to this day, it was still cash flowing like $700 a month. And it was hard for him to get rid of. It was one of the first ones we bought together. We've done multiple and uh, there's the property that we just picked up. It's funny because we call it the unicorn property, but we just picked it up in Brantford. He closed on it just a couple months ago. And when we went to go look at that one there, he was a little hesitant to go see it because it was done up so nice inside. He's like, oh, come on, this is going to sell for too much. This might. So let's go look anyway. You never know. So we went to take a look. It already had a basement set up for a duplex, but it uh, like it had the bedrooms, the bathroom, you know, and so on. And, um, and it also had a massive garage in the back. So I said, let's go check it out. You never know. Well, we ended up 
winning. We ended up offering and we ended up getting it. And for the price that he wanted, he said, I really don't want to go higher than this. This is what I want to, I want to pay. And uh, yeah, so we had won that, which was fantastic. But it turns out that the person that had, I mean, we you know, can't come to learn this, but the person that had owned the house was a uh, builder, a contractor, and he did the basement by code, but just didn't run it through the city with the permits. So it had the fire rated drywall and it all, all of the electrical, the fire, fire, uh, fire rated uh, interconnected oh, smoke detectors. Um, the windows were massive. They didn't even need to be aggressive. They were probably the biggest basement windows I've ever seen. And um, so the conversion for that one, and this is not normal. This is why it's the unicorn property. So people know this. No, is they not, should call you and you should find more <laughs> of these, Tammy. All they got okay? is per, all they Tammy get sells permits? unicorns. It's all they had paid was the permit. We did a little bit of work there. So the $10,000 is what it cost them wow. at the end of the day to convert that legally. And then the garage already had water, furnace, gas, um, it had everything set up. The only thing we have to do is sewer and then do the renovation. It's going to cost about 70,000. So I pulled out the money, um, to put into that. And we, he had another property that we were flipping on the go. So that's worth it. He's like, you know what? Peace of mind. It's going to be better for me to go ahead and sell this one because this other one we have is going to turn into three. It's so, so good. And then where are you seeing the trends with garden suites and stuff? Are you, are some people starting to do them? I know you said you were talking to Andy recently. Yep. Is this starting to happen now? Oh yeah. So I have, uh, I have a f- quite a few clients that have already started the process in Hamilton, Brantford and Welland. And I what are they expecting? Do you know ballpark what they're going to spend to build these things? Um, it really depends if there's already an existing garage and if we can use what's there or not. So it could range like that's the lowest, probably 70. But again, it do, they don't usually come equipped with everything like that. So I would say maybe about 100, 150 um, if you have an existing and then it can climb up to there too, 250. Depending. And the city's handing out the permits on these things. So Hamilton, uh, my clients have had to get some minor variances, a little bit of kickback there um but it is happening kickback from the city or the neighbors neighbors yeah. sorry you're right yeah neighbors and uh but still managed to get through so that was good and then um and then welland has been phenomenal to work with and 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 so is Brantford. but i would say too um one thing that's made it really easy is that hamilton has changed one of their bylaws especially when we're coming to do conversions uh for duplexes and then it's going to come into play for the garden suites but they changed the parking rules and that was the biggest obstacle we used to have in hamilton and so it would really limit the properties that we could look at and now they've changed it to allow for the one parking space there's obviously still some measurements that we need to account for uh with the along the property lines and the house lines but um, but that's made a, a game changer there. So we'll be able to do a little bit more in Hamilton. The biggest thing is that they all have their different set of rules for the garden suites in each city, and it's going to depend on uh, setbacks from the property. So depending if you have a house that maybe has a nice deep lot, which is great, but if the property itself is sitting further back into that lot, then you it's don't have come, enough space. you don't have enough space. So you have to make sure you're And what are people it. building? Is it like a one bedroom kind of garden suite, a bachelor? The goal is a two bedroom if you can. Um, a two-bedroom garden suite. Yeah, the one that we're going to yeah. do in Welland that I just mentioned, we got four say five is going to be a two-bedroom. And how much do you think? You'll and that's rent about that five hundred fifty square feet, so it will allow us for two. And then anything under maybe uh, four fifty or so square feet, four hundred, those can be bachelor pads. Are you and doing two a five fifty on two stories? No, you're doing one, one story? story. Yeah, but this one here actually has uh, quite high ceilings, and we're going to leave them all open, and they're going to look like a vaulted ceiling in this garden oh, super. suite. So, cool. really yeah. Nice. yeah. So that's going to be so nice. And then if you had to guess on what that's going to rent out for, that one in Welland, the yeah. two bedroom one. I am, because it is a little bit of a guess, obviously, because yeah, no. they're new, yeah. but I am, 
I think that it's going to be very similar to a three-bedroom main floor unit. So if in Hamilton we're getting about $2,400 for a main floor three-bedroom unit, I think a two-bedroom garden suite will be very Come similar. Come really? Well, because it's detached completely on its no, own. Oh, yeah, so you have and privacy and stuff. Yeah, so even though it's... I, I always find, actually, a lot of people discount what a two-bedroom can do for you because everyone wants to go to the three-bedroom. But if you have a two-bedroom, spacious, sometimes even not, but it's completely renovated, your rents could be very similar to very close. I've had clients get maybe $50 less than a three-bedroom would get because of how nice their two-bedroom unit would be. That's what I'm interested to see with these garden suites is once once the, a number of them start getting done and we start seeing what the rents are, yeah. it's going to be interesting Holy to see because shit. it's a little bit of an unknown at this point. If you're but that's potentially adding $2,000 a month in new revenue on a property. That, let's say you spend $200,000 to make 2000 this is where I don't think, you know, you know how we always talk about property prices, like can property prices keep going up forever? I know they've come down now, but in general, can yeah. they keep going up like this? One Hamilton property used to rent out for us for like $1,500 a month. Mm -hmm. One, that same property now has the potential, depending on lot size, you have to invest money into it. I'm generalizing here, but has the potential to be earning 6,000. Yeah. We're talking multiples in revenue higher, multiples. It's just crazy what the same property is renting out for. Yeah. Like that's just kind of mind blowing. So your dollar is just going completely in less to get less space is really what's happening. Because you used to be able to get a fully detached house on a full lot for 1500. Now 1500 barely gets you a basement in a similar house. So the amount of revenue that hard and the, the reason I'm bringing it up in this way is that the value of hard assets keeps increasing, but sometimes people don't see it. Because the hard asset now is generating so much more in monthly revenue. Like, it's just astonishing to me. Would you have ever thought a property like that in Welland can be generating something like five to $6,000 no, a month? No, no very no. few people did. I'm, I'm, I'm just doing the numbers in my head. So two, if, you, if you did spend 200 grand, you get $2,000 a month, call it. So it's 24, round up to $25,000 a year. So you get one, one eighth of your investment back every year based on that. There's maintenance and stuff like that to think about. Sure. But the numbers on it are pretty good. I mean, that's 10, what's that, about 12% and change, 12 and change. Yeah, something half, like that. Something like that. And then, so you get that from the rental amount. And then where I'm, what I'm also interested to see as these get completed, I've, you know, been waiting for some of, some of the early projects Andy's been working on to kind of see yeah. is what price points are they selling at? Because with the 200,000 that you're putting in for the garden suite, how much are you getting in the price lift of the 200? Because you're going to, I think at the beginning, it's going to be like student rentals and banks won't acknowledge it. You're just well, but, hold but, but the, but the buyers might. Like even if the banks, but don't how they're going to get financing? Well, even if they don't appraise, oh, okay, like, if someone's like, going to come yeah. to the table oh, with sure. more money, people buy multi, multi. Sure. Like, but it's, it's going to be the same enough. boat we were in yeah. when we started doing the duplexes in 2015. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The banks just won't recognize yeah. it at first. But first, but then I'm just curious what what the price points are going to be at because there's going to be a lift. Is it a hundred a hundred grand of the two hundred? Is it two hundred? Is it two fifty? Is it fifty? Yeah. Like I don't so know. Control but that large of a revenue stream off one property. But it's going to be interesting because because we're spending two hundred and right now we base the numbers off of the two thousand a month, but what percentage of equity built into that are you getting back in, sure. in, in the 200? Yeah. That, that's going to be, because then all of a sudden, let's say, and I'll just throw a number. Let's say you get only a hundred back out, out of it. So there's a hundred grand lift on price, right? So now you've really spent a hundred because a hundred's baked into equity there. You've only spent a hundred to get the 200 to two grand a month. Right. 
right? Because you've outlaid 200, you got 100 back, you're getting 200 grand a month. And then it gets, it's interesting. Then it gets, yeah, really. One of these properties like, right. is now generating $60,000, like $5,000 a month in rent, could be higher yeah. overall for the property. Yeah. One small kind of single lot is generating $60,000 yeah. a year now. Well, we've been waiting to knock down one of our, our places um, because we've been waiting just for some things to change. So parking has now changed. Yep. We're still not sure about that, about if we would get approved because we would be able to get a, a two units with, with uh, you know, uh, we couldn't get the third. We couldn't get the legal, legally approved third. But now with some provincial rules that they're looking at changing and some of the parking rules that have changed, we're like, we're very close to getting the third. Then all of a sudden the numbers get really interesting for doing it. So that's why we've we've kind of just held on. And to I think it's worth holding to see if we can get the third. 100%. But now's the time to just revisit it and see if we could get the mm -hmm. third. We're getting, the parking we're getting rules close. have changed and we can build a proper triplex on there. Yeah. We're the other close. rule that changed is Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. Is that they had removed, this wasn't just recent, but they had removed the square footage requirement in Hamilton as well. So we used to have a 700 minimum yep. square foot yeah. requirement. They've removed that now. So before we would often just look at the bungalows because let's say a one half story, you couldn't really convert the basement because it was too small. Now on a one and a half story house, you can, smaller basement. You can have a one bedroom. You so they've removed the, the 700 square foot requirement completely or yep. just reduced it to like. No, it's gone. So you yep. can have any same as uh, Welland is the same as well. So you can have There's any no size legal second suite yep. in a basement. Yeah. So it could be tiny. Yeah. As long as it's done to code. As long as it's got a height requirement. Yeah. Done so to it's code. done to code. Yeah. yeah. It's course. still good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So between parking and stuff, that's there's more um, between square footage and parking. Those are pretty much basically we're going to see this entire Greater Toronto area. Just in the neck, we're not going to even recognize it ten years they, from they now. They need the housing. They need the housing, and I guess it's why I got so irked. That, I don't know if you saw it, when there was one bank economist that came out and wrote a report. One of the big five banks, is, and it was like, he was basically kind of, he was kind of like gloating to the other bank economists. He's like, "See, I told you the housing market was there is no lack of uh, lack of supply in the housing market. See, I told you it's all interest rates." And I'm like. It's such a ridiculous comment because like he's basing that off of the last few months of what's happened. But like, you know, there, there's got to be more of a context. You think if someone's writing a, this, one of the main economists for one of the big five banks to come out and start saying like that, I'm like, it's uh, to me, I was like, this is like irresponsible. It's so simplistic. You know what the lessons mind. are here? You never trust bankers and you never trust mainstream banking economists. That's the lesson. I'm joking there. I'm sure there's <laughs> one great banker out there. But as soon there's as the one banker out there who's a good person. But as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as demand was, has been removed from, the, from the, the resale market because of interest rates and everyone's kind of waiting to see what's sure. going on with it, what happened to the majority of rental markets? And maybe, you know, and, and now a lot of people moving back to Toronto. So that one's taken maybe some, some, some of the froth that was out in kind of the 905 region and stuff. But we're still seeing people are moving into small, even, even with these kind of short-term trends, people are overall moving into smaller uh, units yeah. and paying higher prices overall. So yeah. you're seeing the demand then there. Mm -hmm. and, and then the municipalities are approving these because they know they need the housing. This area is a mess. It's a, it's a really interesting opportunity for investors, this area. But just for the area, it's a, it's a complete mess with lack of housing and then your dollar just being devalued the way it is. That combination, mm -hmm. it's just a disaster. Like it's a really a disaster. But for investors, it presents a lot of interesting opportunities because we're just short on housing. Wait, it, so Tammy, just to kind of wrap things up here, when you're talking with investors now, where do you like to guide them if they come to you and say, hey, here's my favorite areas or opportunities? Is it still Hamilton, Welland, Brantford? Those are the three that you like? Only because um, I, I have ventured out to Simcoe and Kitchener and there are definitely some other areas and so on. But usually for myself, it's just within about an hour except Toronto, <laughs> Toronto. Yeah, got it, got uh, it. from my own home. But those are the areas that I specialize in, I'd say. So, uh, and they're great cities to, to work in. And especially if we're looking at this future growth, like as far as the, the 
conversions and garden suites and so on. Um, those cities are all open to all of that. And so. there's another thing coming Tammy's way in Hamilton is all the big condo developments that we know that are coming out. Yeah. That whole harbor front, that, that whole project is going to be massive for Hamilton. So you haven't talked a lot about condos, but I wonder when those projects come up, you know some investors right on the water there yeah, as they redevelop. That's going to be a huge thing. And I think the interesting thing I think for a lot of investors is that people who grew up in Toronto won't recognize how great of a project that's going to be. But that project built on the water in Hamilton, I think is going to be a win. Even and a lot of investors are going to miss it. I, I grew up. I, I grew up in the hood. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in the North End in Hamilton. Oh you know, I know. You're tough. Remember that one time? I wonder you can handle all this stuff. remember that one time I drove out of that? We were looking at one property and I drove down the street and some kid was chasing us. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. We, we were together, right? Yeah. We went to see some properties in a bit of a rougher area of Hamilton and there was some guys outside there's some tow trucks like on the lawn and some some rough guys on the porch and the thing is it was Tom's daily. got some new BMW I think. Yeah I, it was the first time. time I had ever gotten a BMW. I had a Honda Civic forever. I got this new BMW and I'm like oh my gosh this yeah, is yeah. feeling a little bit you know and I feel like I can handle myself so I don't know really what it just felt a little bit off. Yeah. Brand new shiny BMW it was like a 323 that we had it was like a, my feet it was like I felt really proud right yep. like I got this car and uh we got in and we start pulling away and some kid on a bike starts chasing us and yelling at us and i'm like holy <laughs> shit like what what the hell is that like are his are those guys we saw on the porch are they right behind the kid like are we getting like attacked right now so i kind of give it a little bit more speed i get to the end of the street and the guy put the little kid pulls right up next to us starts banging on the window and we roll down the window and he's like you're going the wrong way it's a one-way street <laughs> <laughs> Shame, just put my head down. Oh my gosh, thank you. Just turn the corner and just like meekly Watch get away, me. get away in my crappy BMW. <laughs> Give me my Honda Civic back. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, so yeah. We, again, we got off topic there, but uh, Tammy, thanks for sharing all this. Thanks for sharing your story. And uh, we always hear um, for anyone listening, Tammy's been working with investors, and we always hear through the grapevine all compliments from people who work with you how committed you are how patient you are explaining things you know how seriously you take this kind of stuff and i think real estate investing is hard but to have someone like yourself working alongside of investor i think you know it's obvious how much work you put into this from the feedback that we hear Sweet. so uh yeah just keep doing what you're doing it's it's hard shit you know <laughs> the mortgages and the property and the zoning and what can be built and setting people's expectations getting them through the volatility that i think is going to continue it's weird times so to kind of have like a rock like yourself to kind of lean on through this it's it's really valuable so it's so great i love it yeah and i know you love it I, uh, yeah, yeah so if anyone listening to this wanted to reach out to you what's is it email address you want to hand out or an instagram um, handle or, or all of it you 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 go you know, i'll do instagram because okay. then if anybody wants to check out i will try and do some posts i you know get a little shy i'm like oh should i do it gotta do work posts people know i'm working yeah. <laughs> and then but i want to do family posts because people love the kids right and and so on so but uh it's just my name tammy d tomaso okay so and we'll we will link to that instagram handle in the show notes okay. here <laughs> so um yeah anything else uh nick tammy no, it's awesome. Tammy, Thank you so it, much for having me. Was it this scary? Was, was it scary? Well, you know, Nick is a little bit. So yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it was great. Yeah. I was very, yes, nervous coming out. Yeah, you pulled it you off. Guys, but you guys are it was great. Thank I you. appreciate it, Tammy. Yeah. Thank you. The tequila you guys gave me before helped. Yeah. Just kidding. You didn't. <laughs> Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Tammy. You can reach Tammy at this email address. It's Tammy D, so T-A-M-M-Y-D, the letter D, 
So Tammy D at rockstarbrokerage.com. That's Tammy D at rockstarbrokerage.com. And if you're listening to this and trying to figure out if you want to jump into the real estate game, you can come out to the next live real estate training class that we're doing, an introductory real estate training class, by visiting CanadianRealEstateTraining.com and saving yourself a seat. That's CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.